What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 18 DFS MVP podcast, the final regular season show of the year. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, welcome to the final week of the regular season, sir. Final regular season week, and it's a doozy, considering everyone is trying to parse through, including us, on motivation, rest, how many drives some starters will play. So I actually think it's just a smaller player pool than 13 games suggest. Yeah, it's 14, uh, whatever it's the number a, is. Yeah, it, it's it's always a wild, um, uh, wild final week of the season. Still kind of weird to say week 18. Um, but uh, a, a lot of what we uh, kind of lean on throughout the year in terms of, of matchups, analysis, data that we're looking for um, kind of goes out the window and it, it feels kind of more like a preseason slate where we're just kind of trying to track playing time, track news. Everything's changing by the minute. Um, obviously, if you, if you read our articles, we'll, uh, we've broken down some of that. Jen has an entire article uh, on all of the motivation. My article this week was basically going game by game and, and uh, looking at each team's motivation and how that might play out. But still, hopefully, we can um, – parse through the data and, and hopefully we can at least lean on our uh, projections and, and, and values. Um, some, uh, if you guys haven't been able to check out those projections and values that you've been listening all year and you want to uh, maybe dabble in the DFS streets, you're, you've, you've locked up that redraft championship money and are itching to spend it somewhere. Uh, the DFS price is down to $14 for the rest of the year content projections tools goes through super bowl uh there are multiple slates uh this week throughout super bowl or throughout championship week at least there's multiple slates so lots of ways to uh, get value out of that dfs package and you can always upgrade and and upgrade to that betting package because those guys have been crushing it as well so make sure you check out uh the dfs package at 444.com slash plans if you'd like to check out some of that premium content but as always um every week we do our decision point, the one big thing, swinging how we are approaching DFS slates this week. Um, there's lots of things that we're paying attention to, but what what's the thing that's standing out to you? I think everyone will try to find value based on replacement chalk. If a Matt Breida, for example, gets the start over Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Williams, and Jarrett Patterson come to mind for the Cardinals and James Conner ruled out. I'm sure people will look to Corey Clement or Keontae Ingram, depending which one is active, maybe both. But either way, I think actually the cheap chalk allows more opportunity to be wrong. It's It seems like it's more about minefields than anything. And so I, I'm just trying to navigate through what cheap chalk actually matters since it's basically the same player that everyone will get to for value. And right now I think everyone's leaning Jonathan Williams and I don't believe that at all. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to parse through that. And I think that's going to be the most important thing we figure out this weekend. Yeah. And, and that kind of, uh, goes into exactly what um what what mine is and and the motivation and we know which teams are <clears throat> definitely playing for something uh the teams that are to me the teams that are the trickiest are the teams that are locked in to a playoff seed or that are um likely to stick to their seed so the the most obvious one is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they're locked in the fourth seed Todd Bowles said the starters are playing 
Um, does that mean they're playing four quarters? Um, it, it seems like it, it wouldn't be wise for that to happen. Um, if they do play, say, three quarters, can they still get there? Um, they can, but um, you know, you, you don't want to be in a position where you're starting from behind. Teams like the Vikings, uh, they are already kind of hinting that they're going to rest their players, maybe rest a half. Which players are though? Are those? Um, you would assume the most important players, at, at the very least, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, and, and who knows what from the defensive side. So I, I just think parsing through all those things and, and figuring, not even just figuring it out, um, because some we're just going to have some blind spots. But where can we take risks? Like if, for for example, if Tampa Bay says they're going to play their starters and they're going to be super low and because nobody believes them. If you're playing 150 lineups, maybe you roll out a couple, you know, Tom Brady stacks, because um, if, if they do play, you're going to get them at, at low ownership. So those, those um, motivations are, are really tricky. And then taking those to the next level and, and figuring out how we can leverage the field to me, the most interesting spot this week for that um, leverage is the chargers. Uh, they are in a spot where um, they probably want to lock themselves into that five seed where, where they'll play the winner of that Tennessee-Jacksonville game, which should be an easier game than any of their other opponents that they might end up facing, like the Bills, the Chiefs, probably not Chiefs, but still could be the Chiefs, or the Bengals. Um, and we're not going to know what position they're in until after the early games are over, and neither are they. So it's actually a really interesting spot where if the Ravens win, maybe you could late swap to some chargers that are going to be super low owned. Um, if the Ravens lose, maybe we could late swap to some chargers backups or to some Denver starters. If we're going to be getting Denver ones versus twos. So I actually think that's the most interesting game. Cause I think it's going to be really ignored because no one knows what to do with it, but it's late. So we get to late swap to it. It will be interesting because inactives for that afternoon game as well don't happen until roughly halftime of the first slate of games. And I think it's a tremendous long shot for the Ravens to beat the Bengals, as does Vegas, with the Bengals being seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Ravens looking like they sure. will start Anthony Brown. It doesn't. I, I personally don't think Tyler Huntley will go, given his practice status throughout the week. But overall, yes, since we expect Eckler, Kelly, and and – I guess we'll have to see. Maybe Isaiah Spiller's active. Uh, both Sonny Michelle and Isaiah Spiller were inactive last week. There were only two active running backs. And so with Michelle waived, if Spiller is active this game, that seems like a situation where they would want him to play. Like Kelly's in that purgatory of not being good enough to ever out-touch Eckler, but then mattering so much for their backup situation that I don't think they would play him if they benched their starters either, and they would just give Spiller full run. And so I am in a position where I kind of do want to sit on Isaiah Spiller as the not-talked-about, less-chalky, cheap option, thinking, okay, like Kelly's been so important that they won't play him in a blowout. Like They will only give Spiller run, no other running back available there. Interesting. That's a really, really, yeah. See, uh, like going, going through all of those, um, all of those spots is always going to be tricky. Do you have a, um, a, a way you lean when you're trying to figure out these, these coach speak spots? Like, I mean, the, the giants and, and the, um, the Buccaneers, for example, when coaches like that say that they are going to play their starters. I mean, do you, do you tend to believe them? Do you have you ever noticed any trends on those spots, um, or do you just assume they're going to more or less do the sharp? Well, what we think is the sharp thing, and at some point, at least, put their starters down, even if they do get three full quarters. I usually just 
fight back on echo chamber more than anything. Like last week we talked about it, how the, the most incorrect notion was everyone thinking the Jaguars would bench their starters. That was never going to happen because the Jaguars had something to play for. They only benched their starters when they got up 28, nothing in the second half. Um, So that, that was just wrong on all accounts by everyone for this week. I just leaned to Vegas and, you know, Brian Dable the entire week has been saying starters are going to play. We've never believed him for a second, considering the Eagles opened up as 14-point favorites. They got down to 12.5 in some spots, but genuinely, it was never a situation where people thought Dable, who rested with McDermott, Bill starters every week 18 so far, thought that they would actually play Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and important players in that game whatsoever. It seems like more of a situation where they give Kenny Galladay every route, and I don't <laughs> care about that at all. Uh, at the same time, the Bucks as well, there are some some incentives laying out there, and they're small ones, right? We've seen in the past that Brady's yeah. taken the field for a couple drives because Gronk had an incentive. Gio Bernard had one. Mike Evans had a couple yards to get to. This week, Chris Godwin has won. He needs 33 yards to reach his contract incentive. So I, I expect that the Bucks players do play a drive or two, but not beyond the first quarter at all. Not enough for it to matter. The one I'm still cheating with is the Vikings. And it's probably just because I'm biased because like that 194, I believe it is for Justin Jefferson receiving yards to reach the record. It is like obviously hefty. Like that's a lot of yardage needed to reach the single season record by Calvin Johnson. But at the same time, they've all talked about it. So maybe they leave him out there. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But either way, uh, I'm not really believing Norris Vegas on any of these situations. The Falcons, I just talked about the Bucks, but even Vegas, Falcons opened as three-point favorites. Todd Bowles on Monday comes out and says the starters are going to play. The Falcons go to four-and-a-half-point favorites. So it's just right. like no one is believing this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I That's kind of how I tend to lean as well. Um, as we've done every single week before we get into our top plays of the week, we like to go through um, our favorite underdog picks, build a card with you guys. Um, lately, we've been leaning on our uh, betting guys, Ryan Noonan and Connor Allen, been crushing props over on the betting side, as I mentioned up top. Um, that's one of the best ways to get value out of the 4 for 4 site going through the Super Bowl is to uh, get on those props. And obviously when we get to Super Bowl week, those guys are going to have a ton of crazy props for us to attack. So that'll be super fun. Um, but let's go ahead up and and bring that on up. Um, and I have a couple from their um, articles from Connor and Ryan's props. But do you have anything that you want me to look at before I get there? What is Austin Hooper at? Because... Last week with Josh Dobbs, and there was no significant starters out outside of Derrick Henry since the team had to run their starting offense to like see how they coped with Josh Dobbs. Uh, Hooper did run a season-high route rate, basically well over Chigakonkwo. So he's someone I've even looked at as a extremely cheap option. The Saturday slate's interesting because it looks like we can flex tight ends confidently. He's someone I've looked at as a really strong pivot here away from the other tight ends, given that in a game we know they're going to send out their most confident players and just do what they can with that offense. Uh, I think Hooper is actually going to play a lot on Saturday. I like that. Do you like his... the? The, the receptions is tough, right? Because three is, is a fair amount for a team that, that isn't going to throw a ton. But, I mean, the yardage, we can get there on one one or two catches. Um, I'm down to throw that like, one in. Let's We're coming back. Do you like the yardage? Do you like I the do yardage? Like the yardage. The I like the yardage. That over. makes more sense. Um, one of the, the two that um, I believe it was 
Connor, who was on this one. Yeah, Connor. Um, he liked Trevor Lawrence over and Travis Etienne under. Now, the interesting thing about this, because in that game, um, you can uh, obviously attack the Titans through the air, and they, they've been fairly stout against the run. If you notice the grade out here, 27, 277 total yards for Trevor Lawrence. That was grayed out. That means that's come off the board just since we started the show. And I was actually going, I had Trevor Lawrence passing uh, over locked in before we were going to start the show. And that came off the board. So Trevor Lawrence over, uh, I'm assuming just getting pounded because I saw a couple other people tweet about it. So that would kind of naturally support Connor's idea of hitting the ETN rushing yards under um, that's still on the board, even though the Trevor Lawrence passing total is off. So um, just looking at how underdogs reacting and obviously the, um, the pass filter that the Titans are, I think that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I mean, I, I know he'd get there one on, on one shot and like, you know, maybe his rushing plus receiving yards total isn't um, as easy, but I think under on the 68.5 rushing yards is a pretty good number. Uh, Travis Etienne under 68 and a half as a slam dunk. The okay. Titans haven't yeah. allowed a single player to rush for over 60 yards since week three. Uh, this That's very familiar to Ken Walker on Thursday night against the 49ers. Connor was texting me. He's like, hey, what do you think about 64 for Ken Walker? Uh, and this is a couple weeks ago. And I was like, dude, the, the 49ers haven't allowed anyone to go over 60, let alone 64. Yeah. Why do I care about 64? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. seems like a, a bad number, honestly, for ETN. So definitely under. And then the Trevor Lawrence one is tricky because it actually opened at 245. And I think that's what Connor and Noonan put into our Discord early on. And you can see how much the CLV, it's just been steamed since then. It was, as you mentioned, well, Friday morning when you were making the outline for the show, it was 263 and already now 267 and a half. So I, I'm torn because unlike a lot of people, I'm in the minority of loving this spot for the Titans. It's unprecedented for a team to get basically 14 days off in week 17. And that's what the Titans are doing. They're going to get back Jeffrey Simmons, Bud Dupree, yeah. all at full health. They're going to have Imani Hooker at full health. Uh, Petit Friere at right tackle is going to be back. So like they are actually going to be at full strength, best possible anyways, in the finale, because uh, the team that just had to play, you know, in consecutive weeks to keep themselves alive. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's actually a sneaky spot for the Titans to, to win out outright here. I like that. Um, do you have another one you want me to look up? Uh, on Saturday, it's I'm torn. I mean, Hunter Renfro, look at that. Uh, the slot is where the Chiefs continue to be burned. And Hunter Renfro was still on the field for a route on over 95% of dropbacks last week. He's going to play every single snap in this game against the Chiefs. The targets weren't there last week. Darren Waller finished second in targets from Jared Stidham, but maybe it's Renfro given the matchup this time around. So, I oh, I, so that. That's interesting because Noonan likes the over on Waller's receiving yards. Now he, he's getting juice on, on the number at DraftKings, and uh, th that number's down to 32 and a half. It's up to 36 and a half over here on underdog. Um, but still we, we saw Waller run uh 90% of routes last week. Um, I'm good with Waller is, too. As, you like Waller, whichever you're more confident went with. I'm in. I like the Raiders a offense a lot on Saturday. Yeah, I do too. Um, let's go with the Waller higher. The chiefs are, one seven and one against the spread in their last nine games. Uh, teams just continue weekly to hang around, despite the fact the Chiefs are still getting it done on offense. So that's a game that I expect to be close throughout. And 
it could be bad. Like Jared Stidham is obviously a wild card since he threw two touchdowns in two seasons prior to last week and then threw three touchdowns in one game against the best defense in the league. Don't know where it came from, but it wasn't a fluke. Like that dude came out flinging it. Five of eight on passes 20 plus yards deep, led the league in A dot, uh, had an eight and a half yard per attempt under pressure. Like he was really good, and I don't know why. So it, it's very volatile. But yes, I do believe he drags along Raiders pass catchers. All right. Um, for those, well, before I get there, let me uh, get these in. And uh, if you're watching, get those in as soon as possible, because as you noticed, um, those Trevor Lawrence lines were coming off as we speak. Uh, if you are listening, uh, hopefully you remember that we always tweet these out right after the show. So be sure to be on our Twitter uh, as, as soon as possible. Or hopefully the lines are just still up. If you are listening, if you haven't signed up for underdog yet, uh, go to 444.com slash underdog. Use your promo code 444 when you sign up for a new underdog account, and that'll get you a free DFS subscription at 444, as well as a deposit match up to $100. Um, I was just going to say, we, we talked, actually, we got a, a, a full Saturday um, slate uh, on our picks, uh, coincidentally. If you are looking for uh Saturday slate, we will have showdown articles up for the two Saturday games. Uh, we don't have a two-game write-up, but our, all of our uh, tools, content, um, uh, projections will have uh, be loaded up with the two-game slate. And as always, you can ask us questions in Discord. It's just kind of a, a funky. We didn't get the schedule till um, uh, till till late in the week or or after the Sunday games were done. So it's not really like a main slate, like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas. So uh, we're not gonna have like a huge write up on it. But feel free to hop in that Discord and ask us questions about the slate. Let's hop into the picks of the week, starting at quarterback. Uh, tell me what player you like that uh, probably flying under the radar near minimum salary. To bring it back quickly to Saturday as well, I've, I've seemed to have the most success getting my thoughts out whenever I just have a few old fashions in Manhattans and just go in there late at night <laughs> on Friday and just yeah, yeah. talk through it, just not even ask yeah. questions, literally send out my thoughts. So I'll probably do that yeah. tonight, honestly, late at night, get those Saturday thoughts out there for everyone. But for this week, I think it's very clear who to play at the top. Uh, we know the motivated teams. We know the best options are back on this slate, minus Patrick Mahomes. So if there is a reason to spend up for players across the board, we find some players we want to shove in and we're trying to save salary somewhere, then I think the best option is literally going down to the bottom in Sam Howe. Uh, Sam Howe, two years ago, was competing for to be the number one overall pick. He ended up as a fifth rounder, even though I would argue he should have gone ahead of all the players we've watched between Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, the list goes on. But at the same time, remember, Hal is a tremendous prospect. Finished his career in the ACC with 92 passing touchdowns in less than three seasons, or three seasons or fewer. Whereas Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, they had 90. So Hal was better in that aspect. Also, uh, I know I talked about this on Move the Line, but I'll say it again that there are three sticky, there are a few sticky metrics that happen from college quarterbacks to transition to the NFL. Uh, the ones that always stand out to me and what I usually look at when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, one of the things, anyways, it is rushing yards per game, turnovers, which was very big for Sam Darnold and Kenny Pickett. And then, of course, Third, uh, completion rate on third down, how you fare on money downs if you just cower whenever it's the most important time to move the sticks. And 
last year in his final year, remember, Sam Howe lost Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Diami Brown, and Des Newsome. Um, the latter two, who I understand many people may not know, but they were NFL drafted receivers on day two and three. He lost them and still completed 70% of his passes for eight touchdowns and no interceptions on third down. Plus, this Dallas defense, given all the injuries, has not been good in the second half of the year, allowing the sixth highest rate of passing touchdowns from week 10 since they ever they traveled to Lambeau against the Packers. Also, a league high in completion rates and yards per attempt on throws 20-plus yards downfield, where I'm assuming Howe will be chucking it quite a bit to Terry McLaurin. So I think Howe is actually not only a player to spin down on to flip the builds, I think he's in a great spot, honestly. Yeah, and uh, this I, if you look at our projections on 4 for 4 not only is Howell the top ceiling value at quarterback, but then uh, his pass catchers are popping as well, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. So you could uh, cheaply stack them. Like the, the, They're not going to be sitting these guys. That, that just doesn't make sense. And on the other side, like the, the Cowboys, I mean, technically they can still clinch the one seed. They're playing for seeding, but I mean, they – basically need a miracle right they need the, they need two two teams that are favored by 13 and 14 points to lose the the Niners um and the Eagles I believe that's the scenario so I mean I don't know how the Cowboys are gonna play this but they could be scoreboard watching and you know maybe after a half or something we could get it where um Howell's playing against a couple backups on that defense I think so that's interesting too oh yeah and Again, the Cowboys play at the same time as the Eagles and 49ers, so who knows, but Mike McCarthy like initially getting his job, not only because he had a lot of whiskey with Jerry Jones and actually slept in <laughs> Stephen Jones' race car bed the night before, but also because he was an analytics individual over the once he got fired from the Packers, and then he has to understand that the 49ers are favored by over two touchdowns in that game against a Cardinals offense that has just injured throughout. Uh, the Eagles are favored by two touchdowns as well over the, the resting Giants. So I would imagine we don't see a lot, if any, of the Cowboys that matter most. Yeah, and actually, if you're if you're playing how specifically on DraftKings, well, I guess it kind of works on both sides. But if you're playing like say a a Howell Jahan Dotson combo, it's it's almost like a perfect pivot off of like a Andy Dalton Rashid Shahid combo. It's just going to be played infinitely more. Like it's going to be I don't know two percent and two percent on on the commander side versus eight percent and twenty. 2% or something like that um, for those combos. So uh, that's a pretty good little price pivot there in tournaments as well. Mm -hmm. Agree. Um, <clears throat> the, the trustworthy top guy at quarterback this week is going to be Jalen Hurts. 9,000 Fanduel, 8,200 DK versus the Giants. 14-point uh, favorites, playing for the one seed. Top quarterback value on both sides. Um, as long as, as Jalen is in there, you should be able to jam him in pretty easily. We're going to have, at least in cash games, we're going to have value galore. Um, you're going to be able to start you know, three sub 6,500 running backs. If you want to a couple really cheap guys, you talked about the Washington situation. Um, if there's a expensive cash game player to, to fit in, it's Jalen hurts this week. Um, as we talked about giants should be playing backups. They say they're playing starters most likely to be playing backups. Uh, Jalen hurts. I, I don't think anybody needs to be reminded the QB one in points per game when he was healthy, a little uh, under the radar note, 
on Jalen Hurts, which could be really good for his fantasy prospects. Two rushing touchdowns away from getting the single season uh, record for quarterback rushing touchdowns. So that's in his sights there. Uh, don't know if they're going to be forcing that. Obviously, uh, a little situational there if he can get that. But if they get it close, uh, maybe a chance that, uh, you know, Hertz goes for the record instead of giving it to Sanders or, or giving a little dump off to uh, to AJ or something like that. So that's a really good uh, note to have. But, uh, I mean, all systems go for the Eagles. I think we could be onslaughting the Eagles and just trying to get contrarian elsewhere. And, like, I, I, I mean, I don't even think they're going to get, like, crazy ownership, to be honest. You said it in, in, in your article. Like, are, are people just going to be scared that they're blowing them out by so much against backups that they might even uh, have a chance to sit their players? All, uh, I was all about that, to uh, Jaguars last week. I was about to toss this one back and forth with you because I think Josh Allen will be more rostered than Jalen Hurts. Um, and uh, now, and- now that we now that now that it, we got clarity on the playoff situation and and the Bills seem like they should very much be motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the Bills will be more owned than I think Allen will be the most owned quarterback. And and. You know, well, last time we saw Jalen Hurts, he was the quarterback one in fantasy points per game through week 15. He actually with his sprained shoulder. Remember, he suffered that in the first quarter against the Bears and still finished with a season high 34.7 fantasy points in that game. So, like, we're also – I personally am not worried about the injury, but I almost think people – a lot of people are. And thus, they'll get to the Bills more often than not. So, I don't know. Like, I, I thought Jalen Hurts was I a think sneaky I, way to go here. I, I, no, I, I think he'll be – I don't know if he'll necessarily be, like, sneaky, but I, I just don't think – I think people – we know who to stock, uh, stack Josh with. Obviously, they're going to play Diggs, and the other guys are ancillary. What we've seen with Jalen Hurts all year is that I think, um, especially with Goddard now, all those guys just kind of cannibalize each other's ownership. So even if we get Hurts at, I don't know, up to 10%, you're going to be able to pair him with a sub 10% guy uh, or or two sub 10% guys. So that's a very good situation for us, um, regardless of what Hertz's ownership is on his own. Um, I, I think they'll probably be pretty close, but I, I don't, I, I think you're going to get a discount on his pass catchers anyway. So I don't think it matters too much. I would say whichever you play, double them up for sure. Um, Right now, we don't even have Stephon Diggs projected for too much ownership relative to other expensive players. So if you go Allen, I would just make sure you bring along Diggs, and I would choose Gabe Davis since, yeah, I would choose Gabe Davis or Dawson Knox, but up to you. And then Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is actually going to be higher rostered, in my opinion, than A.J.B., so just bring them along as well. Uh, Dallas Goddard, maybe too. Yeah, the, and uh, especially you can almost always do it on on Fanduel, but on on DraftKings the the calculus changes a bunch with these Jalen Hurts, um, Josh Allen types, where pairing them with their expensive alphas is is always kind of tricky because you're taking up so much salary on DraftKings that you need them to hit perfect. Um, this week there's so much value elsewhere that that you could probably get away without them going off for like i don't know combining for 60 or whatever and still get there obviously you don't want them to to not um you don't want them to have duds at, at their salaries but uh it's a little different in week 18 uh and devonta smith on DraftKings in particular is where he's more expensive uh because he's the one who has been having success from gardner Minshew more so than aj brown so um even though brown's been dominating so yeah, I think I actually do like A.J. Brown over Vonta Smith on DraftKings and then bring on Goddard instead. But just make sure you double up either of them. 
as you'll see shortly, I do agree with that a lot. Um, let's move on to running back and actually kind of touched on this situation a little bit. Vikings sound like they're going to rest their starters a fair amount, even though they technically can uh, can improve their seating. I think they will. And beyond us thinking that, FanDuel thinks they will because FanDuel put Alexander Madison at 7K, whereas DraftKings, like you think a backup running back 5,100 is expensive. But remember, like we don't get 4K running backs anymore. And 5,100 compared to the 7K at FanDuel is a massive discrepancy, not just in salary, but just in overall thinking of how the Vikings are going to play their starters. Also, I keep repeating this across shows because we clearly want to every single week target the running backs against the bears since they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, uh, a league high, the only team in the NFL allowing over 30 points per game since week eight. Also the second most rushing yards, 164 per game. Look at last week, the bear, the lions, even though they could throw the ball with success and they did against them, they just leaned on 33 running back carries between Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift. Cause they, they were moving the ball with ease. And so it's just a great situation that, if we knew it was a lot of Dalvin Cook, I would ignore his three and a half yards per carry the last six games and go to him. But I think it's going to be more Alexander Madison. If that's the case, I want to be on top of it. So Alexander Madison against the Bears seems like an awesome play on DraftKings, especially. Yeah, I like these calls a lot. Um, these these um, ambiguous situations where we don't know how much um, time the starters are going to get, or we don't have clear cut like the running backs specifically because the running backs are the ones that are set up for these huge unexpected workloads. Like you could throw darts at the, the wide receivers or backup tight ends if you want, but Alexander Madison basically I, I laid out in my write up basically the same thing you did for Alexander Madison for Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, obviously not. So like those situations, I think in week 18 are really, really good situations. Now on the flip side, on, on these safer situations, I think, the safest running back of the week is Ken Walker um, against the Rams, 7,700 Fanduel, 6,400 DraftKings. Uh, they need to win and get some help to get in. So obviously they're going to be going all out. Uh, Vegas is showing them as six point favorites at home. Um, that's a huge deal. You already laid out why somebody like, um, like why Dalvin cook um, is, is in a tricky spot. I mean, even the Niners, they can be scoreboard watching plus Elijah Mitchell back. So like is CMC going to get a huge workload or, or uh, do they give him a, a little bit of a rest um, in, in those situations? So up at the top, the, the high workload guys that we've become accustomed to, I think uh, it's easily Kenneth Walker as the safest option, 24 plus touch in each of those last two games the rams are 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed um we have walker as a top five value on both sides and i mean we laid out uh, a little bit about you know incentives and 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 um records and stuff uh this isn't one that is tangible but right now at least on DraftKings, ken walker does have the shortest odds to win offensive rookie of the year so another good game out of him can solidify oh that's a good point for that i don't know i don't know if he has any um any incentives in his uh contract I, i'd assume most early round rookies have something like that. So uh, maybe he wants to, uh, you know, do everything he can to keep a hold on that award. That would be big for him. I think. I do not agree though, with the people that think that get offended whenever you talk about anyone outside of Walker or Garrett Wilson winning the award, because I honestly, <laughs> I honestly think Brock Purdy has been the most impactful rookie and should be atop the list for that. 
Yeah, and I mean, I I still think the best rookie in the class is Chris Olave, but you know, that's true whatever. too. And <laughs> I, but the, the issue but is that's not. And that's I don't not blame him. The award. Right, I don't blame Garrett no, no, Wilson. No, he, I don't blame Olave. But their quarterback situations like tanked them right, for a long right. amount of time, where yeah, they, yeah. you know, to us in fantasy, they weren't even useful for stretches. Right. For sure, for sure. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting note on on Walker to to keep in mind. Um, and I mean, as you mentioned, with with like the the commander situation, um, a couple other spots. There's just so much running back value this week that um, I, I think Walker is pretty much the obvious cash game lock. I, I can't think of anybody that is that. Like I guess Algier, um, but even him, like Algier, could be surprisingly ended up playing against a lot of star. Oh, Najee Harris against that Cleveland defense. But I think, uh, think, think Algier is going to be more him. rostered than Najee Harris. Algier is going to be pretty popular this week. I agree. I agree. Um, let's move on to wide receivers. And I'm actually glad for your next guy because FanDuel has given up on trying to adjust anything. They just threw out all the games and before um, before we knew who was playing late and they just left the late game in. So we're going back to an old school Sunday night hammer. And interestingly enough, which I, I think on FanDuel, this could be the most popular, um, pop, most stacked game uh, of the week. And it should be. It's six points higher than the next closest total. You can try and poke holes and Jared Goff and weather all you want, but in 20 degrees against the Panthers, he threw for 350 and three touchdowns. He hasn't thrown an interception since week nine. The offense is still top five in the league in points per game. Uh, it's They're in an amazing spot, both sides of the ball. Also, if you want to look at motivation, I think the line is far too big in favor of the Packers too. I do actually think the Packers will win, but – a Dan Campbell team is not laying over just because they get eliminated if the Rams happen to beat the Seahawks. They will then fight on the lie that they also don't want the Packers to make it to the playoffs. So I believe this game has all the motivation on both sides of the ball. The highest total for a reason, both do stay. I haven't even got to my player yet, but I'm keep going for a second. Deuce Staley, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, they've all come out and talked about how they want to get Jamal Williams, uh, the, the rushing touchdown record. He needs one to tie Barry Sanders' franchise record for 16. He needs two to break it. And the Packers, obviously, one of only four defenses allowing over five yards per carry in the second half of the year. Um, yes, the Vikings could not run against them last week, but... Otherwise, a team that wants to institute their physicality will do so. And that's how it sets up for Jamal and DeAndre Swift. So I think there are so many ways to play this game. And the first place I look to is Christian Watson on the other side of the ball because he returned from injury last week and only, quote-unquote, only ran around on 66% of dropbacks. But that was even when Aaron Rodgers got pulled, with, along with Alan Lazard, with Christian Watson, in the third quarter because they were blowing the Vikings out. Even then, though, Watson didn't go to the bench until he had a 20.8% target share in that game. Also, Watson is third in the league in yards per route run against man coverage, with the, which the Lions run at a top five rate in the league. So I think it sets up amazingly for Christian Watson this week, assuming he and the starters are going to be on the field throughout the game. Yeah, um, and I, I wrote up in this game that I really like uh, the Aaron Rodgers side of it for everything everything that you laid out. But uh, just remember that Fandle, Sunday night, Super, super late swap. So um, make sure you're checking that because the fun thing about these old school Sunday night hammer uh, late swaps is we have all of the information. There's only one game left. So a lot of times it is really easy to um, to go through. And if you are in a, a spot where you're, you're first place or second place or, or in where you're, you're really close to somebody, you can uh, reverse engineer their lineup really easily and figure out who they have, who you have. 
um, when you can and should late swap. Uh, so with one game, those decisions are are very, very, usually very, very easy compared to even with even with two games, it becomes a lot harder where you're just guessing. So um, so don't forget to be going through those on FanDuel specifically. And uh, we, we're not going to talk about it at the end of the show, so I'll squeeze it in now. But Robert Tunyon is an awesome play. He was the he was the cover boy of waiver wire show, and just like for DFS, he ran a route on a season high amount of dropbacks last week because it was the most important game. I imagine he's back out there 88, 90 plus percent of route rate um, against a Lions defense who is allowing the third most schedule adjusted fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. So Tunyon in your double stacks or Tunyon even without Aaron Rodgers is an awesome play on FanDuel. Love it. Um, Drake London at 6,500 on FanDuel, 4,900 on DK against Tampa Bay. Again, um, we do not believe that Tampa Bay is just going to roll out their starters for four quarters locked in to the four spot, even though Todd Bowles said they're going to play starters. Um, they are locked in that spot. So hopefully London's running against a couple of backup DBs, at least at some point in this contest. Eight-plus targets in four straight games. In games with Ritter, his 35% target share is leading the league. In that span, uh, Drake London projecting as the top value on DraftKings at his position on 4 for 4 Even with their starters, Tampa Bay's 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. So hopefully um, London ends the season with the boom, continues that volume to wrap up Week 18. Uh, probably a uh, um, cash game lock. Probably going to see the ownership um, that he should, considering the value that he's projecting for this week. But uh, a very trustworthy player in that spot. And clearly a pivot off Algier. I think that's the most important part. Yeah. And even though, yeah, that, that's, and even though like, even if London comes in at, at 15%, um, you know, which I, which we're projecting him as, as right now, he's, he's not going to be contrarian, but you're probably not playing those two together. So if you do have London, you're lapping all the Algier teams if they hit, which it should be 20, 25% of the field. So that's, that's always good. Even though Drake London is going to be contrarian, you're still um, getting some leverage against all those teams that decided to play his teammate instead. Makes sense. Um, we talked about the big dogs. I talked about Jalen Hurts and stacking that game. Uh, the other spot that we could be stacking a lot is the Josh Allen uh, and the Bills. Uh, you like his big dog this week. I think Diggs is an amazing cash play and just probably the best receiver, the safest anyway, is to spend up for. Not only he has four fewer fantasy points over the last month than Dawson Knox, for example, but Dawson Knox is getting there solely on leading the team with three touchdowns in that time. Whereas Diggs still leads the team and targets with a 20.3% target share, but hasn't gone over hundred yards in any game in the last four weeks. Also with Josh Allen targeting Diggs on 32% a 32% target share against man coverage. We know the Patriots have played man coverage all year. Um, uh, they're, top, they're number six right now in the league in running man coverage. And we know Jack Jones and cornerbacks not only suspended, but a few starters here still injured and questionable on the injury report. So it could just yet again be just an amazing situation for Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs here to connect uh, for a nuclear performance. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't uh, we haven't even talked about the, the crazy situation that happened on Monday night with with Demar Hamlin, but uh, uh, it sounds like he is all good. I mean, if we're just talking about narratives, like Bills are just going to score eighty points, right? De Demar week, like they're 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 that is like the 
imagine having to play that team this week. They're going to be more pumped up than than they even need to be for um, playoff seating. It's a great spot for the Bills. Yeah. Um, another pay down spot, Greg Dortch, 5,400 Fandle, 3,800 DraftKings at San Francisco. DeAndre Hopkins is officially ruled out. We've seen Dortch been getting a, a lot of work regardless the last two weeks, uh, 10 plus targets in each of the last two games with 25% of team targets in that span with nuke out. As you mentioned in your article, Dortch should be comfortably manning the slot in what should be a very pass heavy game script uh, against San Francisco as big underdogs. Uh, I think he's cash viable. We have him as a, a top five value on DraftKings, but uh, from a tournament perspective, Dortch probably comes in at two to three times lower ownership than uh, definitely than Shahid, maybe even than London, maybe half than London. We have Dortch kind of projecting around that 10 percentage range. I think Shahid will be well over 20 percent. I don't know if London gets to 20 percent, but um, Greg Dortch, there, there's a lot of pay down guys this week, but uh, I think Dortch is probably the um if we combine ownership with ceiling uh, especially on dk with the ppr uh dorch is, is a really great play this week it sucks because last week during my old-fashioned saturday night thoughts i was pinging you on discord uh whenever we got the news that jandre hopson was ruled out and i we even talked about it and we said like dorch is obviously a cash game play at the stone minimum across sites and an amazing tournament play because i wonder how many people shuffle everything around and he came in even in large field, even in midfield higher stakes. He came in like only three to eight percent rostered. Like yeah. we got him in the exact spot we wanted, and ten targets went for fifteen effing yards. I cannot <laughs> yeah. believe it. Uh, oh. The process. He screamed as his wife left him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'll run it back. I think thirty-eight hundred on DraftKings is again far too cheap since we know Arizona's office does not change. They hammer the slot. That's it. And ten and now twenty-one targets in two, in two games. Like. Yeah, I'm running it back with Dorch. Yeah, the the Dorch outcome last week was like the it was the microcosm of my 2022, but it's 2023 now, so we're gonna have a we're gonna have That's a big true. week. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna move on to tight ends. Uh, what tight end did I write about? Here we go. I am talking about Hunter Henry as a unique piece if Josh Allen stacks get steamed, and I will tell you we're gonna lose Hunter Henry if Jonu Smith who was limited throughout the week, but not technically clear from the concussion protocol. Last I checked on Friday, he's still in there. But if he is cleared on Saturday, that means he's going to play. And then we lose Hunter Henry because Henry, the last two games without Johnny Smith, has run a route on literally every drop back Mac Jones has had. And I think it's another good spot thinking that, okay, the Bills are coming out to slaughter the Patriots. If that's the case, then we get like a unique tight end. Thus, we get leverage off of Dawson Knox and we get a game stack at the same time with Hunter Henry. But again, that's only an option if John Smith is inactive. Something to look for on Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, and you're going to be saving a ton of salary with um, Hunter Henry. Uh, he is down at $5,000 on FanDuel, down at $33 on DK. You talked about, when I was talking about Jalen Hurts, how um, the, the impact of no longer having Mitchell on the field for Devontae Smith and also – Kind of the reason that I like Dallas Goddard um, with Jalen Hurts coming back this week. Goddard, 6,200 on FanDuel, 4,900 on DK. If we look at Goddard's splits, um, it's only two games with Minshew, obviously. Uh, Goddard missed uh, some time as well. But 13 PPR points per game with Hurts on the field versus 8.5 um, without 
a little TD dependent, but I mean, that's how, how fantasy works. Uh, it, it's definitely worth noting if we're thinking about who to double. I definitely like an AJ and Dallas Goddard double. Then I do an AJ and Devante double. And even with uh, Minshew last week, we saw uh, Goddard's targets double in the second game back, went from three targets to six targets, been on the field for basically every snap, been running a route on basically every snap. Uh, again, another spot where hopefully we get a lot of ones versus the twos and in the rare spot, which I didn't even really mention, like usually it's the, the worst team that is playing their ones versus the better teams twos because the better team is resting. Um, we get the better team playing their ones versus the worst teams too. So, uh, that's even more intriguing, but I, I like pairing Goddard with, uh, hurts quite a bit this week. I completely agree. And again, just how salaries shake out. I'll still flag plant AJ Brown over Devonta Smith. Yeah, AJ Brown's my favorite tournament play of the week. Uh, should hashtag save it for Discord, but he's my cover that. boy anyways. He, he he's my cover boy anyway. So even if you clicked on the article and don't have a subscription, you'd see his big visored face on my article. So you could deduce it pretty easily. Um, Steelers are, are playing the Browns. Both teams should be playing their starters, but Steelers are playing for something and Cleveland isn't. And the Browns offense is misconstrued from their performance last week because literally Deshaun Watson had less than 50 passing yards at, at the half last week. His three touchdowns came on six completions in a much softer spot against Washington's secondary. The Steelers has have everything to play for in this game since they can still sneak into the final wildcard spot. So I do think the Steelers, the Steelers plus, you know, the the running back correlation here like that's the way to go against the browns i i do not think their offensive turned a corner whatsoever just based on six throws from deshaun watson in two quarters yeah um the the defensive player pool is is huge this week especially with so many backups playing um i think i wrote down nine in my article uh i i put the falcons here just because again uh we we don't believe bowls completely we should be getting a ones versus two situation here with the falcons versus the buccaneers um uh, uh they are uh pay down options i believe they're 26 on um on DraftKings, so you're going to be saving salary with the Falcons there, hopefully against backups. But uh, the the defense player pool is huge. I think there's a lot of spots where we can pay up for these big favorites, um, but also kind of not to be lazy, but you could kind of uh, play who fits this week. Agree. That does it for the regular season, folks. Uh, we are going through uh, championship week here on DFS MVP, but I know a lot of you guys do tune out once the season is over. The slates just get kind of funky. Uh, we go from these big full slates to two-game slates, three-game slates. I don't think anybody's or not as many people are playing the multi-day slates. So uh, if you've been tuning in all year and, and plan on hopping off after week 18, we always appreciate you guys. Uh, continues to grow, continue to grow 4 for 4 because of listeners and viewers viewers like you so uh does not go under appreciated um as always hop into the discord this week um but everything kind of changes up with, with again as i mentioned with the the playoffs just kind of having funky slates week 18 will also be the last discord show of the year again dfs mvp goes through championship week content goes through super bowl but last discord show of the year um this week but we will still have um content for every notable uh slate 
on uh, in the playoffs. Um, we'll still be in the Discord throughout the uh, throughout the playoffs, so you can ask us any question. We'll be actively building lineups in there with you guys. Uh, if you want to hop in there and still have it, DFS price is down to 14 bucks. If you uh, don't want to pay the 14 bucks, go to Underdog, sign up for a new account, use the promo code 4 for 4 and that'll get you a free sub plus a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you want to just Give us a little thank you for our season. Uh, it goes a very long way on the platform that you're listening on. Just give us a five-star rating or review. If you're on YouTube, just please uh, like this video, subscribe to our channel. It helps way more than you know. And if you want to keep in touch with us throughout the offseason, Daigle is at not J Daigle on Twitter. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Four for four is at four for four football. Again, if you're done for the season, we appreciate you signing off. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you guys next week.